0: Hey, everyone. It is Angie Wachowski, and you are listening to Bet on You Radio. This is where we feature really interesting, what I like to think of as ordinary, extraordinary individuals who are taking risks, who are making decisions to live the life that they aspire towards. And I have an exciting guest today. You're going to love her story. She's a friend of mine. Her name is Jen Huffman, and she works in such a fascinating space, uh, food nutrition. So things like cashew cream cheeses and organic products, but the journey to this stage in life where she gets to consult with these really great brands is fascinating, you're gonna love it. So let's start, hey Jen, how's it going? Really well, hi everyone. Oh, so I wanna know where you grew up because you're not a native to Traverse City,
1: Michigan. You got a story. I do, I do, so definitely Michigan, you know, homegrown, so I grew up south of Detroit in the downriver area called Grozeal, and I went to school at Michigan Tech, which is in the Upper Peninsula. So I've spanned the whole state in terms of places that I've lived.
0: How does someone go from Downriver to thinking I want to go to the western part of the Upper Peninsula, <laughs> where, it where, snows. where it snows all the time, <laughs> and they have ice festivals? I mean, they
1: celebrate the ice that they have. They do. Have. So yeah, how does how does that happen? They do. So you have um, two parents. Well, both of them went to went to college, but. In their mind I needed to stay in Michigan so there it, therein lies the answer it was as far away <laughs> as I could go <laughs> and still be in the state of Michigan so that was probably number one and then number two um, I wanted to study engineering so I was always really good in math and science so engineering is where I decided I wanted to get my degree and it is a great school it's an side.
0: amazing school and you focus on mechanical engineering I did I did yes Why that? Uh, because it was the most challenging. <laughs> oh, seriously, me? most people don't say that in college. Like, I'm like, what is the easiest path to a four-year degree? I want that path,
1: yeah. but that you. <laughs> I, I always wanted to just show that I could do more. So, you know, just you know, growing up, I had an older sister, and I think that we were always um, friendly, competing against each other. And so she went into finance, and I wanted to, like one-up her and say, and she told me that she didn't think that I could get an engineering degree, so.
0: <laughs> You've shown her.
1: <laughs> and at the same time, it is a great foundational degree. I mean, I learned a lot from from the school, and then I ended up in the auto industry after that.
0: And so you went back down to Detroit then, the Detroit area.
1: I did. So uh, so my dad worked um, at Daimler Chrysler at the time, and so just following in his footsteps. So I think it's really hard for people to know coming out of school what do you want to be? I mean, think about it. You're 21 years old, and you're trying to figure out the rest of your life. And so I looked up to my dad, and, and he was a mechanical engineer in, in the auto industry. And I thought, I'm sure I can do that, too. So.
0: What does a mechanical... Engineer do like out of, like what is the job I guess of a mechanical engineer?
1: It's a good question. So you know it depends on where you where you end up. So at Chrysler, there's kind of two paths. There's one where you design the product, so you're the one physically deciding like what the engine will look like, and they have all these different departments. Or you're more of a process engineer, and you're the one that manufactures it. And often that can be at the plant or it's designing the equipment to actually make the product. And so I chose again because my dad worked in a plant to work in a engine plant. So more, again, just because I looked up to him and I wanted, in my eyes, to to be what the success that he was. And so I ended up at an engine plant. (laughs) (laughs) So like, so you probably know more about engines than the average Joe
0: on the street, probably more than you even care to know, my guess Um, would be.
1: Yes, yes. At one time, I could uh, take one apart and put it back together. That was part of what they made us do. Now, if you made me do that now, it was so long ago, I'm not going to tell you how long ago. I'm sure I would not be able to do it, but. But yes, I spent, and I was actually in an engineering rotation program. So I switched my job every three months and got a degree. And then my last year I spent at the plant. And yeah, you went out to get your
0: master's in engineering too, didn't you? I did. Why did you? Yes. Do that? Like, why did you do that? I'm an English <laughs> major, and I'm like, why would one want more why math and science? Tell me about that. That's yeah. interesting.
1: <laughs> that was uh, also just part of the training program. So you would go back and get your master's in engineering, and then do you know the rotation. So it was part of the program, and I felt like I always um, have been, you know, curious and loved to learn. So, as my mom thought, I was going to be the continual student, never stop, but. Um, And which actually after that, and I know we'll get to it, I ended up getting my MBA as well. I want to
0: talk about that. I'd love to talk about the process of you going from engineer on your path at Diamond Chrysler to not wanting to do engineering at all ever again. Tell that story.
1: So it's interesting. I think I, I always... Knew it. I liked the theory behind engineering, so I think your first question um, was was interesting. Of what does an engineer actually do? I really loved the math and the thinking behind it, but at least when it came to applying it, it wasn't what I thought it would be. It was much more, especially. I mean, granted, I was working in a plant. It was very mechanical and hands on, and less like writing equations and solving you know mathematical problems. Uh, So I, I did work in the plant for a year, and I remember specifically the moment when I decided to switch careers. And my, uh, my boss at that time, we had um, one of our lines uh, that we were running with the engine block, um, yeah. It's a very critical part to the engine. I've it, heard they're important. They're, yeah. they're very important. Uh, it broke down. And so that was kind of our job. Whenever anything would break down, it would be to go in to try to figure it out. Of course, we would bring in the experts to actually make the changes, but we would also have to figure out of like, are we going to accept these blocks or, or you know, are they, are they acceptable and they can go on or do we need to reject them, do we need to repair them? So we were constantly, anytime anything would break down, we would go down to the line. And this specific time, my boss, who was amazing and loved his job and got really into it, he opened up the machine. And these are huge. Like, I don't know how many people have been in an engine plant, but it's, it's actually, like, I don't know. It's pretty amazing, the size of these machines. So he went inside, and he saw what was going on, and he couldn't believe that that's what broke. And he's, like, came out, and he was just covered in oil. And it's like, Chen. You've got to come in here and see this. He's like, it's amazing what happened. We have to fix this. And I stood back like, oh, my God. Like, I can't think of anything worse than climbing into that and getting covered in oil. So I'm like, you know what? I, I think I'm good. How about you just come out here and describe it to me, and I'm I'm all set. So like that night I went home and my my boyfriend at that time, I had a long conversation. Like I've always kind of known for the past couple of years that this isn't isn't what I want to do. And today validated that. I think I need to go back to school.
0: (laughs) It's hard, right? When you see somebody, again, covered in oil and loving their job and you're thinking that looks like the worst day of my life. Yes. But to recognize like I've got so much invested at this stage. You know, I went to school for this. I've got this career, I'm on this track, and I gotta make a change. Yeah. Is that a hard like realization for you?
1: You know, it was it was difficult. I think, um, even more difficult for my parents, which was interesting, because when I told them that I was going back to school, my dad was like, Why would you do that? Like you You've have got your job. you're in the big three. Like, you could stay here for 30 years and get a pension and be set for life. Um, so the conversation with them was difficult, but I was surrounded by um, other people that had done so. So I, um, in this rotation program, I had the opportunity to work in marketing for three months. And um, the marketing director and the VP both were mechanical engineers and had gone back and gotten their MBAs and went into marketing. And so I saw firsthand, they're like, it's a great foundational career to be in engineering and there's so much that you can build off of it. So I saw that, number one. And then number two, my sister went to school part-time and got her MBA and it was a career changer for her as well. And so she really, she really encouraged me to, to go back and to go back full-time versus just trying to do it at night. So you decided that... Working in the big three,
0: working in manufacturing, working as an engineer wasn't cutting it for you. You needed to go back to school, you'd seen some marketing um, at where your current employer was,
1: and then what? What happened? So then I ended up applying, and I applied late, actually, to get into, into Michigan, um, and I just applied to Michigan and Michigan State because um, at, at that time, again, <laughs> just wanted to stay in the state, right? My whole world was Michigan at that, at that point, point. Um, and my sister really helped me there, too. So she had been through the application process, and so she assisted me throughout all of it um and i luckily got accepted actually to both um i had i believe it was a full ride to to michigan state and then nothing <laughs> to, to for michigan. michigan for their mba program right yeah, but just i michigan state's a great college as well but u of m is well ranked especially in marketing so it was hands down where i wanted to go if i was accepted which i was so um i was very excited to to you know to be let in and um when i uh, went to like their introductory uh what was it called govu rendezvous i think is what it was called and we met with all of our counselors they had told me that if i would have gotten my master's uh, um, in engineering along with my MBA, that they could get me a partial, if not full, ride into Michigan. But then I would be back into like the manufacturing world. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm trying covered to get. Covered oil. That's covered what I'm trying oil. to get out of. I don't <laughs> want to be covered in oil. So, uh, so at that point, I, I decided, you know, along with like, I had my support of Eric, who was my now husband, but boyfriend at the time. He's like, just go all in. So took on the debt. Did not get anything at all. In fact, I steered clear from anything in engineering and solely focused on uh, marketing. And I did do some of the harder finance classes there, I too. I love
0: but. that you brought in Eric because um, knowing him, he's such a huge champion. And he's he like is. the kind of person to me in Euchre, like he'd never turn down a bower. Like he <sighs> is all in... For whatever he's doing, but for him to ha- for you to have that support and encouragement too, especially taking on student loans, yes, that must have been just the linchpin, I imagine.
1: Yeah, completely. And it it was it was difficult, but he was supportive. And then my sister, I think she really wished that she would have gone full time, and so she was like, "You need to do it." So having both of them in my in my corner, I think, really really helped.
0: So you went to school full time, and I think one of the things I learned about going through grad school is that yes, the education is invaluable, but it's the people who make the difference because you get exposed to all these different career paths and possibilities really is what you're going through. And I think life going through, you know, back to engineering, you, you learn more about what not to do through your experience. And then you get to these critical points where you're starting to really realize like there's so much you can do. How did you start to transition into food? Because
1: I think your next job opportunity was with PepsiCo, right? I interned at P&G, but that was just, you know, for a brief stint and then ended up at at Pepsi because I really wanted to work in food. Um, So I've always been an avid runner. Um, I ran through high school in my first couple of years in in college. um, And I just, and I continued on kind of just doing racing after that. And loved it. And I saw when I ate well how much it changed my performance. And so it was just something that I was passionate about, unlike cars, which is funny because they say that, you know, people like really love cars or it's just to get them from point A to point B. For me, it was always to get from point A to point B. So my passion in food was just inherent. I always was like researching what the next thing is that I should be eating and how do I improve whatever might be from a protein levels to the macros and just really tracking everything. And so when I, um, as you said, you get exposed to a lot of things at Michigan and- Different companies would come in and present, and I remember Pepsi came in and they had Gatorade, which at that time in my life was how I would define nutrition. It's evolved since oh, then. It's evolved a lot, but you're absolutely right. It's a different. Lo- it's better than water in some situations. Oh, completely. And I mean, my kids are runners now themselves, and they and they drink it before each each race. So um, they came and they had a, I had um, the president of Gatorade presented, and he just wowed me completely. And I'm like, this is where this is where I want to work. Did you start working with Gatorade, the brand, or did you? So I, I, well, so I I ended up um, getting the full-time position there and I started on Tropicana. So I kind of rotated around to the, to the different brands. So I didn't actually get to to touch Gatorade at all, which is funny, but at the same time, I feel like it was better because Tropicana um, had less people. So you were able to to touch more of the brand and have more responsibility. So in hindsight, it all worked out the way that it should. And you found yourself at one point running the Quaker product line and you were like a global marketing manager. Is that? Yeah. So I led uh, the innovation for Quaker um, globally, which was hard because we were in 53 countries. So the whole idea was to try to launch platforms that could go across all of the countries. So I would visit the different countries and understand the cultures and try to figure out like what's the base platform or chassis see I'd still use the, <laughs> the <laughs> lingo from the auto world <laughs> still sticks with me a little bit um the what is that chassis and then what are you able to kind of change and tweak per country so it was fascinating I got to meet a lot of different very unique people so the things you know about people's breakfast preferences
0: must blow your mind yeah
1: yeah, everything from um, the eating cookies is really something that they absolutely do in Mexico. It's like pretty much part of their routine and a lot of the, the smoothies and oats that they put together in the morning um, to places where they don't want to eat any breakfast at all and it's just coffee. And so trying to get them to change that behavior is quite difficult. So oh, but it's a fascinating <laughs> challenge.
0: I think cookies is part of my breakfast lineup too for my kids. Like I'm trying to say like, no, this is not a good thing. It's really hard.
1: Behavior yeah, so to just change. make anything and just pretend it's a cookie. Just call. Just, it's all about branding, see? It's all marketing and how you this position it. This egg thing? It. It's an egg cookie? It's an egg cookie. <laughs> some bacon, some spinach. Fine. You're going to love it. It's great. Awesome. <laughs> so good.
0: <laughs> and so from you and your life journey, though, because you went from, I believe this is right, you went from Detroit grad school in Ann Arbor to Chicago, then you made a move, but somehow you have a connection to northern Michigan, too. So when we met... Um, You were, I think, commuting to and from Chicago from Traverse City. So you had an apartment in Chicago. You're one of those
1: weekday warriors on the airplane and coming back, right? Yeah, I spent five years um, doing that. So it was after I had my second son um, that we were living in this two-bedroom condo. And it was was very difficult with a newborn and a two-year-old. And we decided that we really wanted to make a change and live somewhere that had more space and where do we really wanna raise our kids. And actually our roots um, weren't that deep in Northern Michigan, we just loved visiting here and thought people wait until they retire to move to Traverse City, why can we not do it now? And at the same time, Eric's business partner um, also had moved to Traverse City and they were very encouraging for us to, you know, to move up here and for them to work together. That's amazing. So, so there you go. Yeah. So that, but then I did commute. So I, I ended up, I tried to leave Pepsi and my boss talked me into staying. And I then commuted back and forth. It was like every other week I would spend a week in Chicago and then a week here. So I did that, yeah, for five years, which that's a lot. with little kids is kind of exhausting. So when we come back from the
0: break, we'll talk about what you're doing right now. And then I've got some five questions to ask you. Oh, boy. All right. Hey everyone, this is Angie Wachowski. I'm one of the co-authors of Bet On You. This is the companion to the radio program. So if you're enjoying what you're listening to, check out this book. Inside there's some really great guidance and a code that takes you to an online platform that helps you dream better and imagine ways that you can bet on yourself. Check it out. So I'm here with Jen Huffman, and she now lives in northern Michigan, but her career has taken her to a lot of different places. And she's going to start talking about what led you to be an independent consultant in the food nutrition space. So where we left before the break, you were commuting back and forth from a work perspective from Chicago, working for PepsiCo, traveling really all around the globe, though, to serve your customers and your clients. There must have been a point where you had to say, this is crazy. This yeah. is unsustainable. I can't do this. What yep. happened?
1: Yep, and it was probably more of a year of that <laughs> <laughs> of going through the- <laughs> of, of going through, and this it was it was really exhausting. At the same time, um, this is way pre COVID, and so working from home for a large corporation like PepsiCo was kind of unknown. So, really, to get to the next level, they wanted me to move, and we had laid down roots here, and we loved and still love Traverse City, so there was just no way that we were going to move. We had just fallen in love with everybody here. Uh, So at that point, my my husband had been working since we moved up here, even even actually from Chicago on his own, so he was encouraging me for over a year to just go out on my own, which still, even that, like freelance consulting, I'm like, that's more insights, like not really marketing. I don't know how this will work, and he just kept encouraging me to try it. He's like, just try it for two years, and even if it doesn't work, you can always go back, which is always, you know, good advice, right? So i decided to take the leap then of faith and just went out, quit and went out on my own, and um, I haven't looked back. So it's been five and a half years now of just consulting for small food startup companies all in the nutrition world. And by nutrition, it's vegan, vegetarian products. Um, yep.
0: Like pizza yeah. bites and wheat-induced bread that you're working on, <laughs> like all these really good things that actually taste good too.
1: Yes. And that is what's key. Like you have to, like taste is always king. So you have to make sure everything that you do tastes good. And how do you make it so that it's more nutritious as well and letting those two live together. And I think more and more people are becoming aware that you don't have to compromise on taste to get something that's actually really nutrient dense. And that is my passion of like, how do you continue to do that? And I think a lot of it is from, again, like running and and just my entire life experience of just feeling really good when I have a good diet. And I'd love to have other people experience that as well. I think that's great. I would love to
0: spend the last segment of our conversation too, just on five questions that I ask all of my guests coming in here to the studio, just to share, just to give give you an opportunity to, to share some of the wisdom that you've picked up and want to pass along. So my first question is always, can you talk about a book that inspired you?
1: Yes. Yes, I can. So I read this a couple of years ago and I she found brought it. brought a prop. Yes, I brought, I brought, a, I brought a prop. Um, it's an introduction to Buddhism and it's by the Dalai Lama. And it's just really really fascinating like I and it's for people that are into into yoga it it very much is about trying to conquer your ego and you let your ego get in the way all of the time of letting it really make decisions for you so how do you make decisions not for what it's going to seem to other people so is it how do you come across to someone else what's your title how much money do you make where do you live instead of focusing on that just focusing on what fulfills you
0: Oh, I think that is so much neat. I'm looking at the subtitle too, just about how to clear your mind. And I think having that clear mind is such a gift and a hard journey and a process to get there. Now, the next thing is, can you share a piece of feedback that was illuminating to you
1: or helpful to you or just a piece of feedback that may have set you on a course that yeah. surprised you? So it, it's interesting. Like, and then a couple of people have told me this and I feel like it's super helpful to always be curious. So to never feel like you understand everything a hundred percent, like none of us are actually experts in anything that we do. And so to always ask questions and always want to know more just to be a student of life. And I feel like if you have that perspective, when you approach anyone new or anything new, it just allows you to be open versus closed minded. And yeah. And I think that's a, Conquering your ego
0: is part of that too, to be able to (laughs) say like, you know what, I really don't know. I once heard that Malcolm Gladwell says you could be an expert on 98% of one thing, but the 2% that's missing, you should be insanely curious about what it is you don't know. Love that. I love that. So what is your favorite activity in the community? Because you are very active here. What's your favorite?
1: skiing by far, which I learned how to ski when I was 40. So, <laughs> and that was, and I'm, so I'm not good at it. Like, let's be clear. Uh, but it's something that our whole family can do. And I feel like it's just Northern Michigan. It's how you get through the winter. <laughs> like I can't imagine like not skiing and how would you get through all of the snow? Uh, you can't. But you can't, I think it's impossible. Right. Uh, but I love it. And I, and I feel like it's really helped me to try to learn something new. Um, again, and be curious. bad you know and, and being okay with being bad at something and yeah. the growth to get even better. Now my next question what's your
0: favorite place to eat in
1: this region. So that's funny. I think my my favorite place to really eat is actually my kitchen at home. <laughs> your husband's a great My cat. husband's a really good chef and like and we um We don't get it as much, but Loma Farms has just amazing produce. And then, of course, they have Farm Club, too, which is a little further away from us. But, like, just love their vegetables. And then Nick always has some really great recipes that he would give us. And so we would just roast up his vegetables, and it's amazing.
0: Uh, Great tip. I love that. And this is really, that's a question for me because I'm always trying to find new places to venue out here or venture out here in northern Michigan. Last question. What is the one thing you've learned in life that you
1: think is really important for you to share with others? I think that's a really, really good question. Um, I feel like as I reflect back on um, the different chapters that I've had in my life and my career, it's always been about not overthinking things. So I'm analytical, right, as being an engineer, um, but I feel like if you overthink things too much, You'll never move on to the next, whatever chapter it might be. So you might only understand about 70% of whatever that leap is that you want to make, but you need to have that leap of faith and just know that it, the guiding light will take you there. So it's um, I feel like it's been something that has helped me um, kind of overcome a lot of different challenges and just open up new opportunities.
0: Oh, that's really great advice. And I think part of that 30% that's missing is your gut instinct, right? Yep. And your dreams and your passion that's something that's calling you that hopefully nudges well thank you so much jen for being here thank you listeners to bet on you radio again this is angie wakowski and i look forward to catching up with you soon have a great rest of your day